Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada. Ben Epstein's on the other line. It is June 16th. I can't keep track of days 17th. anymore. 17th. Yeah, see, th- there you go. Uh, we have a special guest on to talk about uh, basketball's likely restart plan. We're getting more details on the Orlando bubble. We're also hearing that some players may not want to come back, but we're going to kind of operate under the assumption for now that the NBA will be returning. And to talk about that and what that could actually look like and to joke about some of these provisions in this 113-page safety guideline for the NBA. It was 113 pages, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, Mo Dakil of The Athletic. You can hear him on about 60 athletic podcasts. He's also a former video coordinator for the Los Angeles Clippers, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Australian national team. Mo, are you staying safe? I am doing my absolute best to stay safe. I am, uh, I'm pretty paranoid about this. I might be one of the last people out of quarantine. <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. Right there with you. I'm I'm I'm. You guys will get a kick out of this. Despite all of that, I'm still an idiot. So, like, for example, <laughs> this this morning, um, I, I I was running to the grocery store just to get a couple of groceries and literally got my shopping cart, was in the store, was about to pick something up, and that's when I realized I left my mask in the car and literally just, like, just stopped breathing and sprinted out to go get my mask. And I was actually really annoyed that nobody at the store had stopped me um, sure. to come in with, with, without the mask. But, well, I'm just like, everybody go wear masks, like go wear masks and don't be stupid like me. And remember every time you leave the car to make sure you have your mask on. Like I, I'm so used to putting the mask on that I thought I already did. Cause I had gone, yeah. I'd made one other stop before that and had the mask yeah. on. And so oh, it's yeah. just, uh, yeah. I'll tell you, man. I, it, I, depending on where you live, and uh, there are other in you know factors that that matter. Uh, we don't have to get into any of those, but there is either a high density of people wearing masks around you, and you feel like it's the normal thing, and it's common, and everyone's doing their part. Or I was just in North Carolina for two weeks, and if you go to a supermarket there. Um, you wouldn't know there was a pandemic, even though it's one of the states that's like seeing a higher increase. So like safe and sorry. And the fact that your brain triggered to the right thing is uh, impressive. You've, you've already been conditioned. It didn't take very long. It's not that hard to put on a mask. I'm mad at myself for forgetting, but it's just not that hard, folks. Simple. All price. Now, now, one place where perhaps fits more like North Carolina than Los Angeles is <laughs> Orlando, Florida and the surrounding area and really the whole state, which is where the NBA plans to restart their season in the bubble atmosphere of Disney World. Uh, we've gotten more details on 
what this actual plan is going to look like, where these guys are going to stay, what the safety provisions are, and all of that, and how they're trying to keep it as basically as quarantined as possible within the bubble. Uh, plus they have entertainment, DJs. They're going to switch out cards, decks of cards every time they use them. So they're obviously taking this seriously, but, I mean, the surrounding area – not doing so well when it comes to COVID. So, I mean, I guess we may as well start off by wondering, like, is this bubble thing still a good idea given what the the state of the world right now? It's a it's a tough question to answer. I think the the NBA has put together a pretty comprehensive plan, um, you know, and and then these things change. Like sometimes, you know, they're going to get in the bubble and realize they didn't think of something, you know, um, and they'll have to adjust or whatnot. Uh, assuming we make it to the bubble. But it, it is a little bit concerning with the cases in Florida where they're at. It's like because a lot of those people are people that are supposed to be working within the inside the bubble to to help the NBA teams, you know, carry everything out, whether it's people who are supposed to be cleaning the rooms, you know, cooking the food or whatnot and all of that stuff. I think there's there's a little bit of concern there. Like for me, I'm I was just thinking on my own today was like, should they start quarantining them now? You know, and, and, and start getting everybody, making sure everybody has a good, clean uh, uh, sheet when they come in. Um, I'm, I'm, I waffle on it. It's a tough question, Mike. Like when, you know, is this a good idea? I, I, I probably not just in general, but, you know, um, but I understand it's a, it's a solution. It's the best solution they have for a crappy situation. Can I ask a question? Uh, no, Prada, you 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 tweeted something earlier that 260 workers at the Orlando International Airport have tested positive for the coronavirus after nearly 500 employees were tested. Is that accurate? No, that was that was proven to be misleading. I think it's 260 total over several thousand okay. tests over time. But even okay. still, I mean, like at the point. Yeah, it's it's not nearly. I don't know how they kind of made it sound like there were like fifty percent of the cases. <laughs> I don't know what it was. The governor threw that out there, like the Santos threw that out there, and it was just like. First off, I was confused. I was like, you only have five hundred people working the airport in Orlando. I would assume you'd need more, like just in a normal scenario. Um, so there there was a lot of issues. Yeah, I mean, so. Well, however what the number is, whether – I mean, it's still problematic that you, these guys are presumably flying, even if they're flying charter, into an airport. There's been some talk that maybe they're going to fly into smaller airports in the area and then bus there. I would say that sounds smarter, but I'm sure no airport that has – invites people from out of town has perfect – no coronavirus lurking within their walls. Like there, there's a risk there, you know, and I don't think that these players are going to take cross country bus trips to Orlando. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, I mean, right off the bat, you've got this challenge uh, that they're going to need to overcome with travel, you know, and then it sounds like they've done a pretty good job of like spiffing up to make the area, the, the bubble a little bit more attractive to these players. But there's no way that 400, I guess it's not 450 because only 22 teams are coming, but let's say 300-something players plus all the staff plus I think the traveling parties can be a maximum of 35 people. There's no way that none of them are going to – all of them are going to avoid 
to getting cabin fever and want to do something that probably they shouldn't do and expose themselves. You know, to me, that's just asking a lot of anybody. You know, it's asking a lot of human beings, as you can see by just the way so many have flaunted the social distancing guidelines. It's asking a lot of human beings to self-quarantine for this long and for months at a time. And I just, I just worry that that is going to have a, an effect that the NBA isn't going to be able to pick up on. Yeah, that's a challenging scenario. I mean, it's just tough. I'm going to say challenging scenario a bunch. I know I'm going to annoy people a lot when I on the pod when they hear that, but it's just this whole thing is just going to be tough to pull off. Like that's why I think, you know, the the cabin fever element of it I think makes this one of the harder finals. You know, there's only so many things you can do. You can only play Boo-Ray so many times. Um, and some guys are going to – I can't wait to hear stories of some guys losing just massive amounts of money. <laughs> yeah. um, By the way, think of the tampering that could go on in the bubble. Oh, we're going to get tampering left and right. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, it's a good thing the Warriors aren't there because then it's like, look, Steph Curry and Giannis are on a golf course together. Oh, like, that's definitely true. Talking, like, there's just, just a whole bunch of different elements going on. Going on. That's the big winner, by the way. The big winner in all of this are the Golden State Warriors, who have the best odds at the number one pick, the longest amount of rest when they didn't give a shit anyhow, and now they can come back next year and be one of like the three favorites to win the championship. Well, I mean, that assumes that they might not get too much rest. I, yeah, that, I mean, that's a whole other. That's a but, whole other element. I mean, they're going to be sitting for what, like, almost a year at this point. I mean, when's the the next season is going to start in December? Yeah, we don't like, know. There's so many variables. That, that assumes that this haul goes to plan right now. That's some load like, management right there. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. whole other element there. Guys, like Steph is a guy who could totally use that. Number one, he's going to come out of the NBA, one of the best golfers to ever have played professional sports. So he's going to go right into the PGA Tour at like 37, 38 years old, prime golf age. <laughs> okay, is, is he good at, like, is he actually good or is, he is actually good, right? No, he's really good at golf. Yeah, man. Okay, it's not like Michael Jordan where he, like, he just does it because it's a distraction. No, I bet I could find his handicap and I bet it it's really good. It is pretty good. Okay. Hey, I mean, gambling, the gambling thing worked for Jordan. Maybe this is what could work for Steph. I mean, this is the perfect, this scenario is the perfect dream for Jordan, right? It's a a 0.6, by the way, 0.6 handicap. It means he's almost scratched. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Okay, I stand corrected. He competed in the, uh, in a uh, PGA uh, or an event at the, um, uh, one of the LA May Classic. Okay, okay, fair enough. You know, but I I guess like, okay, so there's obviously this element, but the one thing that I, and and this is like so not important compared to the very real issues of systemic racism, police brutality, COVID, all this. But one of the things that I've had a lot of trouble wrapping my head around as someone who watches games and helps you kind of hopefully helps you understand what's going on is this environment is so strange and so unique and filled with so many stressors and so many out of place elements for players that are just such a creature of habit that I have a lot of trouble figuring out how to evaluate, how to sort of judge in any meaningful way, how to handicap, how to do any of this sort of basketball watching without taking into account just the situation and how strange and how unpredictable it is you know i don't know if i can like and look this is like a very this is not an important problem but mo you worked in the league for a little bit so you have a little bit more experience kind of 
with working with players, kind of making sure they're mentally and physically there to perform. What do you think this is going to happen with this, with all of this unpredictable setting where they're quarantined, they, they're all by themselves for a while, there's a pandemic, there's all the world is falling apart. Like what, what kind of effect could that have on the actual gameplay that we watch? I think the first couple games are going to be rough. I know they're. I think they're doing what three exhibition games before they they start these the eight game regular season. So assuming like that's eleven games before the playoffs start, I think there's going to be a ramp up time. You know of of getting the rust off, getting used to the arena. Um, that's going to be part of it. You got to look into the fact that. This is this isn't even. I mean, it's, not, it's a neutral court for everybody. Nobody's ever really played on these courts. No fans. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, no fans in the stands. Like all of this kind of is. There's an adjustment. There's a whole thing of they got to get used to and 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 try to kind of uh, acclimate themselves to the the system at, at hand. You know, I think um, I, it's not going to be the case for everybody. But for some guys, it might be like once they get on the court, they're able to kind of shake everything off and they're back to where they're they're supposed to be for other guys you know it's it's hard to play with all the other stressors outside the world they kind of need everything set up kind of uh uh well for them to be able to perform well so everybody's different it's going to affect players differently i think one of the bigger challenges we're going to find is just shaking off the rust and i think that's where it's really important once they do their their mini training camps and, and, and some of these exhibition games to really shake that off. Cause it's going to be really important for the teams that are going to try to sneak into the playoffs and try to steal that eight seed. Um, so I think those guys got to hit the ground running. I think the upper echelon teams, the Lakers, the Bucks, the the Clippers, for the most part, pretty safe where they're set. So they can kind of take a little longer approach run to, to, to getting, set up and, and, and getting themselves ready to roll for by the time the playoffs start. So I think there's it's a little bit uneven for every team in terms of how they got to approach it. And it's it's going to be hard in that sense. To, to And in terms of how to judge it, I mean, I think you'll know, Mike, once you start watching, like, all right, they're ready to roll. They're back in their swing. I mean, it feels like, it feels like the you, you nailed it. There's going to be lots of different scenarios playing out because every team is in a different situation. Like the I don't know, with home advantage out the door, the first what uh six seeds, seven seeds in the east don't get the team those teams are gonna have a much easier time of kind of relaxing into uh you know their season with their eight games than the teams who are at the back end who have to play in, um or the teams at the top of the West who are still uh I guess jockeying for position a little bit more. But in the East it's like the matchups I guess are what you're playing for and even that's a crapshoot it feels like. Um I'm I'm most concerned for injuries. Having watched a lot of soccer now, there's been tons of muscle injuries and ligament injuries and tendon injuries. And even today in the EPL, I think uh, Arsenal lost a couple guys in the first, like, 10 minutes. And, Wait, did uh, Arsenal had injuries? No way. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, no, I mean, just, <laughs> no way. Yeah, we're going to see it. I, I, I'll bet all the money I have that we'll see a star or two go down with some kind of injury that will, that will be attributed to um, having just taken off for three months and hopping back into peak physical competition. This isn't like you or I, Mike, or I'm not going to include Mo. I think Mo is probably in pretty good shape from all the running. I I think he, he well, if you, so you guys want to laugh, I accidentally ran 10 miles yesterday. So how Perfect. do you accidentally run 10 miles? Thank you. 
Do you the, just the, like the, not put on the tracker, or do you? No, just no, no. The, the the quick gist of it is, and I'll I'll do it pretty quickly. Is I normally run six miles and my normal route, and at one point I decided I was like, oh, I kind of want to see what's over here. So I took a, and I was like, okay, this will probably tack on like a mile, but I bet, thinking in my head like this will lead me to my car. Um, and only to find out that it led me to the halfway point of my normal route. Oh, and then, I see. Then, then I had, you know, basically I, once I realized that, I, I realized I had three more miles to go, and I wanted mm-hmm. to cry. Yeah. But you decided to run run it instead of walking it. I use the term running loosely, by the way. Like, <laughs> there is some walking involved. Like, let's be honest here. <laughs> well, so on the physical thing, like, I, the theory that I've, kind of heard and what I found interesting is that I mean just if you remember the lockout in 99 like all those guys came in and they were just so out of shape and the quality of play was so slow but one of the things I've heard is is that like cardio wise it will be a challenge but I, I think these guys are at least in better shape than they were then because so much of the exercise they do are core exercises which they can still do does that I mean, that does that give you any hope, either of you, that like we might avoid what you're talking about, Ben? I mean, I, look, look from a physical standpoint, I, I cannot. I'm, I'm not a doctor. One and two, I'm not. I don't know what these guys look like or the type of training they've been able to do on an individual basis. I just know it's impossible from an athletic standpoint to simulate NBA basketball given the parameters of what we just went through, which was a unique situation where you literally couldn't be with other people. So yeah, I'm worried that NBA. I think basketball shape is a lot different than any other shape you can be in. And I think you need to play yourself in. I think Jordan showed that in the documentary we watched about coming back. And it just really wasn't the same when he took it from baseball yeah. to basketball. He was only like the quite... second best player in the NBA. Instead of right. the best player. <laughs> well, for his, for, for his levels and for, for his peak, uh, you know, what I would consider your, your floor lungs, if you will. I think a lot of big men in this league, uh, we'll see what Jokic does. I am... He looks skinny in the latest pictures. I'm thrilled you see to see him looking so healthy. Yes, 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 yeah. absolutely. I'm like, I'm like, wow. He number one probably had COVID. Okay, you heard it first here on Limited Upside. Okay. No one loses okay. that much weight organically, like in that period of time. That's that is an extreme weight cut that happens over six to eight months. Okay, okay. let's be All real. Right. So obviously, he must have had COVID. I mean, Mike Malone said he had COVID, didn't he? Yeah, no. The, the, yeah, the Nuggets he, he, have players. Well, no, I mean, he, 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 they definitely announced Mike, Mike Malone had it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, the, it's kind of similar to the start of a season, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of what we're going to see. And we're, the training's different. I think there's still a possibility of it because everything that Ben was saying, like, there's no replication of NBA basketball and the up and down and the speed. And even a, a practice scrimmage is hard. To, to fully replicate it unless you guys are go- unless everybody's going 100%. But there's a level of easing into it. I think we'll see it. We'll see somebody, you know, pull a hamstring or something. Unfortunately, knock on wood, hopefully we won't, but yeah, yeah. It's the realm of possibility, but I also think, you know, that's possible in March. I mean, Damian Lillard had, had strained his groin, I think, right? Like in For that sure. sense. And and this is just injuries are part of the game. This is going to happen. It's part of the way it's just is how it's always been in sports. We've had guys early in the year, uh, in the seasons before, you know, have injuries because of that. I think teams are going to be much more careful about it going into the, the bubble in terms of how do they prepare and how do they get guys ready. Uh, but I, there, there's no no way to say, like, there, there's not going to be any. That's, that's an impossibility. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think there's – 
an element that we have to watch for, which is just like how how teams approach it in their training and lead up to this. And they can do everything right, and still it's just fate, one bad step, and boom, it is what it is. So there's no there's no preventing it. It's just something we have to expect to happen. And and teams got healthier too. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. This, this, some teams are going to be a lot healthier and potentially have older players who benefited a lot from taking time off. It, it, we might see uh, an uptick in that regard. Like, like I think with Philly. With ben like with Philly. Like with Ben Simmons, yeah. Philly for sure. Um, hell, I mean, Giannis was missing games with, with the, the, the knee injury, you know, that he had suffered against the Lakers. You had Portland, again, with Dame, Damian Lillard out, Nurkic, and, and Zach Collins. I don't know if they're coming back or not. I haven't heard anything but you know that's more time for them like a bunch of teams needed that that time to recover yep the the one difference of course is that i mean in your off-season scenario is that in the off-season you can at least play pickup basketball or play, get in a gym with a trainer and all that and for the longest time during this break you couldn't really do that and it's true i mean maybe there is a positive that is gained from all this it's sort of the body is such a difficult thing to evaluate um, and the other thing that I think is really going to be a huge challenge, and one of the reasons why I I respect what Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard are doing by at least at least as of now taking a stand saying they don't feel comfortable playing, even if I believe that like there's a lot of good they could do for their the causes of systemic racism and police brutality and all that by being there, and that those can continue on with or without them. I do think mentally it's a real challenge to get yourself in the right frame of mind to play. And I think the mental there, there's, there's clearly a connection between mental health and physical health that, you know, if I were going to the bubble and I was working for one of these teams, if I was on the training staff, if I were an assistant coach, I'd have a lot of trouble wrapping my head around it. Well, how do I create like the most normal environment to keep my players, our players healthy mentally and physically, not just for the game, but also for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, have you guys have you been there by the way? Either of you to no, a long time to... ago. We need Whitney on this call. Whitney is like the yeah. Whitney is the Disney Disney World expert. Yeah, yeah I saw it's... her tweet this morning. <laughs> I go there to unwind. Yeah. Wait, that, that'll be our next. Uh, Pretty sure she was combo. in Disney World at the start of last year's playoffs or sometime around that or one beer to playoffs. So yeah, she's the expert. It is like Vegas where like when you're inside that much it feels very disorienting. Like, uh, you know, in, and kind of that bubble mentality is, um, is surely not a natural way to go about life. But uh, the one thing I also want to say too, is like mental focus. And then uh, is, is like how number one, uh, the participation in the movement we, you know, we, we've talked about being so integral to a lot of the, the conversation still happening with the players union and, and Kyrie and, and Dwight Howard have been fighting for. Um, number one, they're going to still be able to take the time. I hope that the teams appropriate the right amount of time for players to do publicity or whatever it is that they feel like they want to do from an allotment of their time uh, to that. Like, I hope that that's still available um, and that they can, uh, you know, make sure that the, that the players union can still talk about that issue. And even once they're playing, um, and I hope they continue to do that. And also um, within and, their own game, which I mean, Avery yes, Bradley said, yes, had a lot of yes. great suggestions for what the league needs right. to do with hiring practices. And that was exactly right. Yep. And, and that they use this time to like kind of make sure every one of, I think um, Arnovitz said this on the, on the low, um, low post, but like, you know, use every minute of airtime that you want. 
like if, if that's what you feel you know confident and, and interested and want to be uh, a spokesperson for and that's what you want to uh, put out there like do it like you absolutely should take you get interviewed at halftime do it after the game sure like w- like you should absolutely use the platform to the most don't let that be something where people are like oh shut up and dribble any of that bullshit like this is the, the absolute best opportunity if that's the way that you, you want to make your stand I mean and every player is different yeah it's I mean this whole thing there's a chance you have to amplify the the voice you know because people are going to try try to turn to basketball to get away from it well you got to go look there's no way you're going to get away from it and I think the players have an opportunity if they want to push the the envelope a little bit with the NBA because they do have some leverage right you can't play these games without them uh it'd be it'd be really interesting if it was the three of us on the court um <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> how do you Pretty think sure. we would um how do you think we would stop like a Giannis fast break pull on those legs we need to have to get a leg okay so like we all got to do a Jeff Van Gundy Basically, yeah. With the Van Gundy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, we we would all struggle pretty badly. Um, you know, and and I know it from experience. Um, the, but the whole element of like, you know, there's a chance to really kind of, you, you know, amplify the voice. You know, and and everything you guys said was correct. And every time a mic's in your face, you can make you have an opportunity there to make comments and make sure it doesn't go away. And I think there's an element like they just got to keep pushing it and it's and it's keep fighting it. And, you know, I, I, I think that's that's available to them. But ultimately, it's everybody's individual choice, you know, and, and, and if they just don't feel comfortable with it or don't like the how it would look or they feel like, you know, 10 years from now, they're going to regret having played in this because they felt like they did a disservice to the movement, that's on them to decide. I, none of us are in that position to be able to say it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's tough. Like I definitely don't subscribe entirely to the theory that like, oh, basketball is their platform. This why it would be so silly to deny themselves that chance. And you know, a lot of these guys have ways to affect change without being on the court, especially some of the more famous ones. But I also think that um, let's not kid ourselves. Like this is a, this is something that, I mean, everything we're talking about is something that needs to be a long sustained effort that we need to keep the energy up for a really long time. And I understand that, um, Oh, if we play basketball, it will just totally distract from the movement. But I think that may be giving basketball a little too much credit as an institution as a conversation distractor. Like, I think there's still ways, whether they play or not, to uh, to continue to do what they need to do, what we need to do to have a key for change. I just think personally, like, I would, there are a lot of people, and I think I would understand this, just I would have a lot of trouble, I think, compartmentalizing. Like, I don't think that if a player doesn't go and instead devotes their time to the community that they can solve all of the larger issues. I do think they can make a difference. I also think they can make a difference by playing. But to me, the real challenge is like mentally, are you going to be able all the way there with all the stuff going on in the world? And if you're not going to be all the way there, it's better to put your time and attention to something where you are going to be all the way there. And that's, that's the challenge that I think a lot of these guys are going to have. And it's a totally understandable human challenge. Uh, and so that's why I'm kind of curious about like sort of the mental well-being of all these players, not just for their performance in the game, but I think it could have significant lasting effects on their careers and their life. And there's just so, 
I have, there's no way to account for all the variables of what that might mean for for them. And so I am kind of curious for the players that are going and the teams that are going, like what can you do? I guess it all has to be built on the individual player, but I mean, what can you do to, to create a sense of normalcy without being a distraction? I think it's a really tough line to walk uh, to get these players ready, but also not so ready that they're distracted from the things that are more important. I think there's an important element of, you know, the, the, the coaches when they're inside the bubble and the guys who are there, you know, the team allowing guys to feel like they've been heard and to continue to be heard and, and continue to make uh, whatever comments they want. I think some of that's on the NBA. Uh, you know, like I said, they have a chance to push the NBA a little bit. Why don't we have signage for uh, Black Lives Matter or, or, or some way to commemorate? And I can't say that word properly. Um you know the, the 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 George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, and then I mean the list goes on and on. But you know we just the EPL just came back today, and the jerseys all have Black Lives Matter on the back. Like there's 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 ways they can kind of just put it everywhere. And what, I think what would that's your response be? Pushing. Sorry to cut you off. What would your response be if the someone were to say like, well, that's just symbolic. That's not actually doing anything. It, symbols matter. You know, I yeah. think, you know, like we, you, let me put it to you this way on a, on a personal note for me, like looking at studying the civil rights history and things like that, you know, one image that's seared into my brain is, you know, John Carlos and Tommy Lee Smith standing on a podium with their fist raised, you know, after winning the, the, the gold and the bronze for the, the U.S. in the Olympics in Mexico, like that's something that stayed with me all my life. I wasn't alive then. I didn't see anything of this live or anything like that, but understanding the significance of it. We like to say that's just symbolic. It doesn't matter. But symbols matter. Like they carry weight for people. They, they're somehow people connect that to something. And, and, and you know, it may, we, it may not feel like enough and it, it, it's never going to be enough. But it but it carries weight and it pushes forward. You know, if they say, hey, we're going to get rid of all the advertisement patches and put a Black Lives Matter patch or whatever. I'm just throwing out stuff. So, right. you know, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's all this carries some some way in significance, you know, and, and, and they're, they're trying to do as much as they can. You're 100 percent right um, that on all of that. The, the, the symbols mattering um, couldn't be more important uh, today. Um, and, and that's actually I think, Mike, I brought this up um, when we talked to Sykes. I brought up that book that I, I like to bring up, which is The On Tyranny, The 20 Lessons from the 20th Century by Timothy Snyder. Uh, and that's actually one of the 20 chapters is essentially symbols matter. Like if you see, and this is the reference to 20th century history, a swastika, uh, scribble it out. To, you know, take, take a marker to it. Get rid of it. Call it out. Call things for what they are. When you see people with Confederate flags and Nazi symbols in 2020, call that out. That's not a good thing. We know that doesn't stand for Second Amendment, et cetera. The idea that symbols matter, that, you, that, that are that some types of hats with certain words on them that are certain colors matter. When you put that on, you're making a statement. You're, you're saying this is who I am and this is what I believe in. And this is what's, and that's an important thing to understand. I think symbols matter is important specifically in a global sense. It's a weird look that the movement started in America can't get even the same type of merchandise pickup, the things that are being worn and seen that the international sports that had a, an opportunity to already pave the way uh, and make it okay uh, from a commercial standpoint, like have done. So seeing it in the Bundesliga in Germany uh, and not in the United States is, is 
you know, I think that there's something to be said for that. You, yeah, um, I mean, you could argue that the the NBA should be beyond symbols and why why not wear them? Donate those jerseys with Black Lives Matter on it to you name charities. Like, there's easy ways to just make this. Uh, you know, I, th- I think the NBA is going to I think the NBA and I think the players are going to make movements. I think we're going to see it. But yeah. I don't think I don't think this is going away. And I don't yeah. think whether the, the and, and it damn well shouldn't. And I don't think the NBA playing or not playing is going to change that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a it's a long fight. And this isn't this isn't a issue that gets solved in three months. You know, this is a, you know, decades long kind of thing. This is a thing we're fighting for forever, and 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 we should. And and I think that's something to 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 go in that regard into that you know statement that like Dwight Howard made and and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, like there's no need for basketball. There mm-hmm. was there ever. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I mean, hierarchy it, of it, demand. It did uh, it did keep me employed for a while, so I like it. I mean, I mean, it matters for us. Yeah, but no, you're We're right. We're selfishly thinking that, right? But like, it yeah, really matter. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, there's so many things in life that don't matter. I mean, the one thing it's been taken away. You just you guys are living through an, uh, months of your life alive with your family and and like your loved ones, and you're you're alive, right? The matter, the want, need, the hierarchy, whatever that is of the, you know, the, for, what's the direct, the actual scientific term. But that hierarchy of need has been completely reevaluated by people who play the sport even. Think about the trickle down. So if it doesn't matter as much to these guys who put everything they've ever put in their lives, uh, you know, mentally, physically into as much as the cause happening, then, you know, that trickle down for what it should mean to the people who write about it, who monetize it, et cetera, all of us being a part of that world, uh, the ecosystem. Um, yeah, the reevaluation of hierarchy of need is like very real. That also goes for people buying season tickets in the future or like, you know, um, subscriptions to things. So I, I think yeah, it's to just newsletters. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And to um, the athletic, do you have podcast clients like for me? So like, yeah, yeah, I get I mean, it. <laughs> here's what I worry yeah. about a little bit, or, or here's why. Like, I think this is an interesting because I agree with you guys that like we don't need basketball, and I mean we we, we never needed basketball, I should say. And like, I don't know if like, oh, these people who are not going to come are going to solve these major issues. Like, I definitely don't believe that, and I think. I think it will continue with basketball or not. One of the things I do wonder about, and one of the reasons I sort of think about all of what all of this mentally and physically is going to mean for not just player performance, but sort of player happiness and all of that, is that, I mean, as I think I've learned a lot, you know, being unemployed, like, you're, you're, you have to be your best self to be the best self for other people. You have to be your best self to be the best self you can be for something as big as a movement. And I just wonder, like, you know, it's natural for so many of these players to tie so much of themselves into this sport that they put so much blood, sweat, and tears into, and that uh, extension, the way they perform and all of that. Um, if they're not their best mental self for because of all these things going on and for their performance – I do worry that it could have some effect on some like knock on effect on how their enthusiasm and all this will be for the movement. I think actually like kind of professional success and personal success are very much tied together in that, in that regard. And that's why I wonder like sort of what the effect of 
this environment will have not on how they play and then how you know we talk about it and how they see themselves like I just think those are really interesting challenging questions and I totally understand if there's some players that like know in advance that it's going to be a real challenge for them to be their best selves if they're there and for the ones that do go I think it's so important for them to be right mentally and I just don't know how anyone can foster an environment that can guarantee that they'll be right mentally I think the the importance is and it's an individual thing it's a a person-to-person thing but it's it's the ability to kind of find ways like for me to find a, a way to create a routine and have a system set up and I know this is what I do in the mornings this is how I'm taking you know this is the stuff I take care of these are the things I'm dealing with and it's it's my routine and and things like that and I think that's kind of going to be the importance for players cuz players most players are creatures of habits and that's extreme that's extreme creatures deal. of habit like relative to the population I think it's kind of underrated how much they are and you know this firsthand from working with so many of them yeah, I mean everything to what time they take their nap to everything, and it's and and when things get thrown off, and I think the important things, the important important thing for these guys early on in the bubble is creating that routine and making it a habit, so that you know for the teams that are going to be there for a long time, you know they they need to be able to have that routine ready to go, and and it just it just takes a while to adjust to it. It's it's all going to come down to how quickly can you adjust to things. And and whatnot. It, this isn't going to be easy in any stretch of the imagination. Um, in that, in, in the sense of like all of this is 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 abnormal, and hopefully we'll never have to experience something like this again. Um, but like, there's a the ability to to adjust quickly is going to be the 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 key, I think, for these guys, and to understand, okay, I can do this, but I can't do that. But this is because I can't do this because of safety reasons or whatnot, or this or that. Like, there's there's going to be a lot that goes into all of this for these guys, and it's going to be an individual, person to person thing to to be able to figure out if they can do it and if they can handle it. And so, if you work for a team and you are perhaps responsible on some level for like what the daily schedule is uh, to get yourselves ready, I'm curious, would you recommend? Something like kind of, I don't want to say, I guess imposing is the wrong word, but sort of kind of laying down like a routine and taking the choice anxiety out of the players, um, even if it's not necessarily something that you consulted with all of them for. Or would you recommend sort of keeping it a little looser, talking to the individual players and trying to individualize that routine? Um, what do you think is better, not first for team performance but also for like sort of everybody's mental sanity what would you recommend your team do i think it's kind of a a combination (laughs) tighten up you got to tighten up on certain days and you got to loosen up on others you know how do you tell Um, which is which i guess is like the real challenge and i think that's really on the coach understanding their team you know um this is going to be a little bit outdated but it is still my favorite movie uh top gun quote (laughs) <laughs> where you know it's the very beginning right and 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 you know it's the captain telling the telling Maverick and Goose they're going to top gun and and they he's explaining to them saying like yo Cougar lost his edge you know like he 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 was holding on too tight you know Cougar even says it like I'm holding on too tight man I've I've lost it you know and I think there's that element you know a coach knowing like hey we we've been going too hard 
uh, tomorrow's a day off or, hey, instead of practice, we're going to go watch this movie or something like and coaches do that a lot during the season. And I think there's an element to that here. And and there are times where it's like, look, what playoffs are coming. We got to tighten up here and we got to be focused on this here. You know, tomorrow, let's have a day where we're really tight on this and and everybody let's make sure we're in this part together. So I think it's it's really going to just be on the coaches to kind of feel that out. And and we'll have an idea of which coaches have a good grasp of their teams and and which ones don't and and that's going to be the 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 way through it I think a, a lot of pressure is going to be on the coaches here in terms of how do you schedule things you know and when do you take care of your guys and just I mean we don't even have a full clear idea of the schedule you know like some teams aren't they may not have full control of their schedule and practice times but that's the same as being on the road you know teams designate you know. Which, you know, hey, you can have this practice slot at this gym if you want. And if you don't like it, you got to go find another gym on your own and, 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 and deal with that. And, and there's a whole bunch to that stuff. So I think there's a little bit element of all that with, with the coaches. Yep. When, we, when I was at Hacks, we used to have uh, opposing teams, the Lakers and Clippers, come practice there all the time. Um, still have a Golden State Warriors ball that uh, Stephen Jackson gave me. Um, but um, I think you're um, spot on with the – adaptation for this is going to be happening on a, I think, day-by-day, week-by-week basis. And it's like a jockey with a horse. All the analogies are the same, when to pull back, when to really push them. I mean, this is um, – I think there are certain coaches who probably have been at teams longer who have a better understanding of – like, let's let's – for example, I feel like Popovich already does this. He already does weird retreats and days off and, and like, has had a philosophy of kind of understanding his players uh, as people for as long as we've we've seen this. Um, I'd say Kerr, but he won't be a part of this. Um, and then I feel like there's just an opportunity here for veterans. Like, I'm, I think if I was a Sixers fan, but, like, Horford could do a lot more for us at this point as, like, a good – respectable leader off the court than on. Right. Um, and that's like these, these veterans, these core guys like Dudley and, and not that the Lakers need it. Their, their whole team are veterans, but um, there's just a number of those guys. We hear about veteran leadership. So like those guys better be leaned on a lot more. But see, how, how do you know that veteran leadership is not going to be a, a bad thing because you have habits that you've built that are so different from what the situation is going to be now you know it's but what if it's one line of thought though what if it's just like hey guys we need to all get together and deal with this is this is essentially what uh uh summer camps were that they all, all these players went to i mean i used to go to these too like you had yeah, I mean, uh, weird game times all fucking day long and you didn't know when you were going to be getting like any type of court time uh with uh like your, your team to practice or run figure out anything um now obviously it's a little different but these guys have been in situations where they've played weird hours and and lots of consecutive basketball now not in a number of years and not for millions and millions of dollars and not during contract years in some people's situations too. So there's a lot of other things at play there. But I, I do think I do think there's um you know just there there's a world where these guys have played tournaments. I mean the look NCAA tournament when you go and play uh, it's not a lockdown bubble situation, but when you play sports in college and stuff, like you don't get much freedom. You get your per diem, you get your hotel room and your curfew and you're told to essentially like when you're going to get on a bus, when you're going to be playing, when your practice times, whatever. And and I think like these guys understand that, like they played road games. I just think it's like a matter of any individual. Fuck if it's just basketball or living your life as an accountant in in your own place for seventy five straight days. Like there's a, a monotonous. Uh, um, hill that you're climbing that you need to make sure that you're constantly looking down and realizing like where you're at because I think these guys are going to find 
as any human being would, from like a social experiment standpoint, that this is it's tough. It's just really difficult to reestablish a routine in a bubble. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing the Bulls aren't going because you know, Boylan, <laughs> Boylan would try to institute some sort of cor- curfew. Six thirty. Curfew from what though? <laughs> Everybody's got to be up by 6 a.m. at breakfast at 7 a.m. Like, this would be, be some crazy stuff like that. I kind of wish he was now. Yeah, I kind of wish he was those too. stories down the road. Um, but, yeah, it's all about just can you establish a routine and a system. And, and you got to be able to deviate. You're going to be there three and a half months. you got to be able – if you're a team mm-hmm. that's going to go to the championship or even the conference finals, you got to be able to be flexible. There's This is coaching. This is a big thing with coaching and being running. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, these I would call these like soft skills. These are skills that are really hard to measure under normal yeah. circumstances. I mean, mentorship, um, kind of psychology, kind of leading a, a team, setting a schedule. I mean, these are the things that these guys increasingly are going to have to be paid to do. And, you know, it's like, do you think there's a reason why Brad Stevens isn't good at at, at that? What? I'm surprised you didn't say like, oh man, Brett Brown is the best at this. Um, So I I do think Brett Brown is better served for the off the court parts of basketball relationships than the on the court to some capacity. So I I don't. Well, but how do we even know? I mean that that's the thing that's actually. I mean because I think that's why he has his job. I think Brett's still the coach of the Sixers because the players genuinely like him and the off the court relationships are strong. It's not for execution at the end of games. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is actually kind of, like, interesting, like, again, intellectually. You know, when Mo was saying we're going to really find out, like, kind of a lot about coaches just by performance. And it's so hard to kind of make a direct one-to-one comparison between a team underperforming and, oh, man, the coach is just not good at getting his team ready for a schedule. Like, it would be so unfair on some level to to say that. But it is an interesting, like, sort of window into what – Coaches actually do what it actually means to be a veteran mentor, you know, what it actually means to be a good teammate, um, what these guys, how to value these people sort of beyond like sort of their ability to shoot a three-pointer or whatever, like kind of evaluate some of this stuff that, I mean, I write so much about what I would consider to be like unmeasurable skills, you know, spacing, floor spacing and when to cut properly and footwork at the right time and just sort of the art of the game and how people, certain players make things easier for their teammates. I write so much about those types of players. We're going to find out a lot about those types of players and coaches off the court that I think may translate on the court. And maybe there's some interesting good that comes of that, obviously, amid all the other shit that's going on. So that will be really fascinating. I think, you know, again, it's really hard to like say like, oh, Team X like disappointed in the playoffs. It must be because Coach Y didn't set a good routine. But right. there is at least like some tracking. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far to say that in terms of like, oh, okay, he just didn't set a good routine. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of factors behind this. But right. when you know you can see the disharmony on a team. Yeah, there's at least a little bit more ground to to kind of make – not to make that direct comparison, but it's a little easier to be able to sort of evaluate some of the things that went into those two possibilities, like kind of create the link. And like intellectually, that might be kind of interesting. I mean, just to think about. Yeah. And, and the other stuff that's going to be fun about this is, uh, and I, I'm assuming we're nearing the end of our show. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the who do you decide comes on your 37 
team roster that flies in. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing I'll tell you right now, having been through the playoffs, I'm just saying every time we make the playoffs, all of a sudden all these people showed up that were part, all of a sudden part of the travel party that I'd never seen before. <laughs> Not once <laughs> during the season. And next thing you know, there's five guys on the team playing where I'm like, and who the hell are you? I used to have I used to have a seat for me. And I used to have a seat for my equipment. Now I just have a seat for me. Uh, yep. <laughs> like, you know, Who's parachuting the, in? The, well, it's like it's just going to be interesting because this is going to get eliminated here a little bit in that sense. And, and you know, there were people debating like, well, you know, do, do, do you need the video guy there? That's a job that can be done completely remote. Yes and no. How tech savvy are some of your assistant coaches who are going? Yep. Uh, you know, we I was talking about it with Stephen Jones a little bit in terms of your the download speeds. Like it sounds so incredibly stupid to have this conversation, but when you are downloading massive files, and I'm talking like four or five gigs, maybe even bigger, uh, you know, that can take an entire night through hotel Wi-Fi. You yeah. know, and, and and there's no guarantees within a, these things. And I don't, you know, it's been years since I've been in the league and having to deal with that trouble. But overall, I don't feel like Wi-Fi is that much better when I go to hotels now um, or when I used to. The, 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 the small thing like that. So like a team might think like, man, our video guy, he ain't coming. We're going to do this all remote. And then next thing you know, they're going to get there and they're going to realize, man, this Internet sucks. Like we, this is taking us two days to download this game. Like, man, we should have brought Jimmy with us, um, you know, or, 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 or things like that. Like there's a certain fun a- element element. To this thirty-seven team, you know, personnel <laughs> travel party. Like, how? Who do you bring? Do you bring this? Do you bring that? Like, how many trainers do you bring versus how many uh, uh, development coaches or, or whatnot? Like, there's a there's a fun element to all of this too that we're going to start to see within teams of what what are they focusing on? And I guarantee you that many of the people who make those decisions will not have any appreciation for the dile- the very real dilemma you just described with. With Wi-Fi speed, I guarantee you that not that a lot of these people making decisions lose sight of those very practical issues. That's just, I mean, that's just a rule in any field. Um, but yeah, it will be, uh, it will be kind of funny, like you know, trying to download the game as every single player, you know, known to that's in the bubble because they can't do anything is on their phone. Steering Wi-Fi. That. They're all playing. They're all playing their their Playstations or Xboxes and 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 and, and on the Wi-Fi. Like that's going to be a real thing. Yeah. I won't no, be surprised to hear stories of people going like, "Man, the internet here sucks, dude." Like <laughs> they need to get on the fi- get that five G connected right now. I mean, they're going to be running a league, a, a, a multi billion dollar operation out of there. They better have good Wi-Fi. Yeah, but I mean, but you don't think about that, Ben. You don't you think just, about these Wi-Fi. Things. Oh, Wi-Fi feels so big for broadcast purposes too, doesn't it? Like, I just, like, I, I just know from experience that like certain organizations, let's say that like it's very easy to lose sight of these practical concerns when you're have like six managers between you and the people who have to make the decision. Like, it's just natural. You lose you lose sight of these things. I mean, think about it this way. If you're an equipment manager for the Lakers, how many socks do you have to pack for three years, for three months? Like, you know, normally... Do, do they have laundry? Re- like, how does that work? I mean, well, they're going to have to have... They're going to have to have laundry setups. You yeah. know, but like, you know, if you're a trainer, how many rolls of tape do you need for three months? You know, like, do you have that number, you know, in your head? Because the longest these guys have ever been on road trips is two weeks. 
you know, yeah. and, and, and there's an, there's just the small elements that there's no way to fully figure out. And listen, these are dumb. The, the tapes and the socks or whatever, it's dumb. Like they can definitely get some, right? It's obvious. But there's just an element to all of these things that it, it's just it, another bit of uncertainty. Yeah, just a small, tiny thing that's a thought process. The Wi-Fi, I'm telling you, that's gonna if be you're an not issue. thinking about it, it's going to be an issue. And that's why it's <laughs> like you do want do, – do you bring a tech guy with you? Um, you, you know, or, what a, or, or, or Would what, that even yeah, make a difference, I guess, too? I mean it's so hard to know. And, and I mean if there's one thing that I hope listeners take away from this discussion is that when you're trying to build a routine that players can be their best selves within that feels normal – any little thing that is slightly off could really mess that up, including Wi-Fi, including the rolls of tape. You know, the more, the less uncertainty you can breed in those little things, the better. And so those are going to be major issues that I think a lot of people will overlook. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, here's another bad movie reference for y'all. Hell yeah. uh, I mean, my newsletter is all Star Wars references. Like, there's no such I've noticed. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed. That's the plan. Every single, every single post has got a Star Wars reference. So you never have to apologize for bad movie references. Um, it's the movie Wimbledon with Kirsten yeah. Dunst. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they, they actually describe. Literally how Kirsten Dunst is uh, – spoiler alert. And if you haven't watched the movie by now, I don't really care. Come at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Kirsten Dunst is – they're describing how like her – just a small thing like her racket breaks you know, just before the match and it kind of threw something off for her. And, and, and at the same time, Paul Bettany's rolling and, and everything's going right for him and in and, and the men's. And, and, and she ends up losing and he ends up winning. Um their matches but it's just as simple as like just small things in your routine for athletes can really throw things off and it's incredibly stupid and what's incredibly even was even dumber than all of this i had a routine as a video guy and when my routine would get thrown off i'd be pissed and i wasn't even playing a game yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be well. Now, fair to be fair, a racket is pretty fundamental to playing tennis. Well, like it was a string broke or something. It okay, wasn't. We've just been there, If you're playing Wimbledon, if you're playing at Wimbledon, you have a bag that has fifteen of the exact same strung racket. You play exactly. One of them's you your lucky you racket, though, man. One of them's your favorite. It's just like when you have multiple kids. I don't care what the parent says. One of them's their favorite. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to, um, yeah, to to hearing stories about that from friends of mine who will have multiple kids in the in the coming months, uh, as as they can tell me which one they like more. Um, you're probably right. I know my parents like me more than my brother. <laughs> Damn. Just, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But definitely. Um, yeah. But um, yeah. Well, hey, look, I we we have kept. We know you have a heart out here, uh, Mo, and, and honestly, um, I got to make some dinner. My cat's freaking out. My dog's freaking out. I'm my daughter's home. Got, I get it. Um, people to feed. I, you know. Anyhow, um, but Mo, I, I feel like it's really cathartic for this podcast to have you on because it kind of means that we're back. You know, it's like from the roots that from when from whence we came, uh, and, and here we are. Um, and so it, it's good to have you back on the on the pod, and, and hopefully um, we'll talk again soon when there's basketball being played. That would be an ideal way to have a sports podcast, specifically an NBA one. I would love it. And if you guys could have only saw the smile on my face when when 
I got the, the message from you guys going like, hey, do you want to come on the pod? I'm like, we're back. <laughs> yes. We we are back indeed. Um, anyway, that's, that's this week's episode. Be sure if you're listening to this as part of the newsletter, uh, just posted a retro breakdown. I'm going to do these every so often, just kind of spilling out my game notes. I did it for Tim Duncan's first playoff game back in 1998. Uh, eventually, once the season starts, I'll probably put a lot of these behind a paywall and do the games that you're seeing live. Uh, Mo, you got anything to plug? Uh, just the podcasts on The Athletic that I'm on uh, and the whenever I post an article on Bleacher Report, just follow me on Twitter, Mo Dakil, D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. Um, and you'll you'll never miss what I'm doing if you follow me on Twitter. <laughs> ben, you got anything to plug? Anything you're tweeting about? No, no everyone uh, go register to vote. <laughs> vote, vote, vote. Yes, register to vote. That's, that's true. Anyway, thank you, Mo, for coming on. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Ben, thanks as always. And this is the Limited Upside Podcast. Oh.